0: DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 125 Perry Chickering and the Power of the Pause. Here's a shout out to listeners in Syria, Hamburg, Germany, and in the U.S., Harrisburg, North Carolina, and Farmington Hills, Michigan. Before getting started, I'd like to announce something. In addition to the weekly Unlabeled Leadership episodes, I'm getting ready to start a new weekly show on KLDR Online Leadership Development Radio. For a global audience, KLDR has several leadership shows, including The Maverick Paradox, Leadership 101, That's What I Read, The Change Show, and Conversations on Leadership. They also play older episodes of Unlabeled Leadership, but starting the second half of February. I'm going to start a new show called The Unlabeled Leadership Playbook. The concept is simple. The idea is that for each episode, you'll learn a couple of plays to add to your own playbook on leadership. I'll have guests share some of their own plays and what's made them effective at leadership. Oh, and one more thing. When KLDR Online is not playing one of their radio shows, they're playing music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. In the show notes... I'll leave you a link so you can check it out. Well, with that, let's get started. Perry is an author, coach, consultant, herbalist, and leadership educator. For years, she's been in the field of wilderness-based leadership and has run her own leadership school in Colorado and later new ones in South Africa and Bulgaria. She has a PhD in human organizational systems and currently lives in New Hampshire, where she stewards 55 acres of woodlands with her husband, cat, and two horses. Perry's author the book, Leadership Flow, The Unstoppable Power of Connection. I think you'll find Perry's leadership stories remarkable and well worth your time. Part one, Tolerance for Silence. 21st century leadership is all about helping other people develop and grow mentally and morally, or if you prefer, build character. We do that not only with what we say, but it's in our actions. We're modeling behaviors that help other people grow. And a lot of times, we don't even realize when we make such an influence. In this story, Perry shares how she discovered how she influenced someone. Here's Perry to explain.
1: I did a piece of work for the University of Chicago. They have a through K-12 school called the Lab School there. This was a few years ago. One of their main people who helped with that piece of work, she was the strategic advisor and director of communications and marketing for the Lab School. She actually just recently retired from that job, so she wanted to connect with me and just catch up. So I was delighted to hear from her. And we had a little chat about her recent leaving that job and the fact that she was not sure what to do next. And in the context of that little conversation, a phrase came out of her mouth that was surprising and thought-provoking for me. Because towards the end, I said something like, oh, it's wonderful that you have a little bit of space to simply stop, kind of let things settle. And go empty, I think was what I said. Go empty. She got this big smile and she said, you know, I'm not surprised you would say that because whenever I think of you, the phrase that immediately pops to my mind is the power of the pause. Ah. I just stopped. And I said, thank you for that. That's very meaningful. What was so beautiful about her saying that one line is, and I love this because it's connected to one of your leadership principles here the develop leadership practices continuously. Mm. (laughs) The awareness of how important it is to to stop, to breathe, to come back to the moment, particularly in the world we live in right now. It's a practice that I have come to know in my work and personal life to be almost the highest-leverage thing I can do. And what was beautiful about her saying that to me was I was just beginning at that stage in my consulting to really begin to practice as consciously as I could, pausing. So I was starting to make it a very deliberate practice, but I didn't think it was that obvious at that time that I was. Practicing that. So the fact that she noticed it and she referenced it as the, the main thing she remembered about me was surprising and wonderfully confirming that even at that stage, it was having an impact because now it's so second nature. I mean, I pause long enough that in this Zoom environment, I have to tell people, look, my computer's not frozen. I'm just stopping, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and if they don't know me, I have to say that up front because I take very long pauses sometimes, and I'm simply listening. I'm stopping. I'm giving myself a moment to come present.
0: It's not just pausing to allow space for another person to talk. It's pausing to reflect and maybe prepare or just be in the moment.
1: All of those things. All
0: those things. Okay.
1: And a lot of it is the coming back to the present moment even when we start to open our mouth, there's a way that things can sort of speed up. Being deliberate to keep returning to the now, like, okay, that was thought number one, pause. Uh (laughs) So it's a personal practice to stay connected to myself. It's a collective practice to let there be silence. You know, there's a lot of research out there that talks about a group's ability to collaborate, one of the signs that the group is getting good at collaborating is their capacity to tolerate silence.
0: Oh, that's powerful.
1: And I think most of the research says that people's tolerance for silence is like 10 seconds. And then somebody just has to open their mouth because it's too uncomfortable.
0: I've seen group dynamics where it's about trying to get out your voice. Mm-hmm as much as possible, or interrupting the other person, unintentionally, say, to really control the direction of the conversation. You're right. When you do have a group that is more about inquiring of thought and thinking about what you're trying to generate as a team, you allow for opportunity to have pauses. It's just human nature at the same time. Boy, seven seconds go by, I have to fill that gap.
1: Mm -hmm. You know? Exactly. And, and it's fun as, as a team player in my life's work. I've played all the different roles from formal leadership roles to consulting to facilitation. And it's a wonderful tool as a facilitator because if you're not sure what to do next, if you just sh- shut up, <laughs> guaranteed somebody's going to say something that will give you an idea of the next move to make. And this is, of course, assuming you want to have an alive dynamic in the room, that you're not just trying to force an agenda out of fear that somehow, again, one of your principles, that somehow things are going to get out of control or they're going to get messy or they're going to go somewhere you don't want them to go because you don't know what to do if they go down that road. It's a wonderful tool to use in all kinds of contexts. And it's a little edgy because you have to have a level of trust. There's something going to happen and you're creating some space for something to happen.
0: What you're saying is powerful, especially with facilitation. When you're presenting to adults, it may be a new subject. Maybe it's technical, maybe it's not. But they have all sorts of experience that you don't know about. They have perspectives. They have their insights. Giving the pause is a powerful way of inviting them to share their perspective and thoughts about what's happening in the facilitation.
1: Exactly. And as you said earlier, it also very often creates space for a real question to surface. Ah. Or a voice that hasn't quite gotten in there to find its way in. Learning how to create space, and I love what you did to expand so that all kinds of things can happen. People can speak, nobody speaks. It's just everybody gets to come present and then see what emerges that's the right thing in the moment.
0: Part two, courage from the heart. In my book, Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership, I talk about seven guiding principles. One of them, Connecting with others is one of the most crucial ones for being able to lead effectively. This story that Perry shares illustrates how important connecting with others is and how you can do it. Here's Perry with her story.
1: I would like to use an example of this person who called me. Her name is Catherine. In this job at the University of Chicago, where we were doing a a visioning, and strategic engagement process, which is what she had hired me to do. There was eight of them as a senior team that we were working with. All of the kind of work that, that I do as a consultant in the company that I did this job with is highly collaborative. Again, one of your other leadership principles, very collaborative. We were brought in to do this visioning session at a moment in time where there was huge tension between the faculty at the lab school and the administration, like major, serious contention, tension, inability to talk. So that's part of why we were coming in, is to kind of help get some conversation going about how on earth they could move forward towards any kind of a shared future. That's the stage we were brought in. And the design deliberately included having conversations with various groups of people. Anytime a conversation occurred, one of us as a consultant would be in the room and one of the senior team, i.e. one of these eight administrators would also be in the room. So I was in the room with Catherine. And we were talking to 30 faculty members just teeing up the engagement because what we were trying to do was surface challenges that were, uh, you know, like what's underneath the problems that are here and, and how can we name the challenges? So we start out and within about, I don't know, the first seven minutes of this engagement, one of these faculty members in a very heated, highly agitated voice essentially says the main problem is the whole administrative team and you in particular. And she points across the room to Catherine. Wow. Well, for any of us who (laughs) kind of had energy directed us like that, guaranteed it is very challenging. So this happens, you know, you could have cut the silence in the room with a knife, just crackling with tension. And what Catherine did next was one of the most beautiful leadership acts I've seen in my life I hadn't thought about this, actually, till I was thinking about today. She did a big pause. She regrouped. And then when she opened her mouth, she spoke with this, I mean, the courage it took for her to, to join. She had no sense of defensiveness in her. She spoke mm. with profound humility. And she essentially told the story of her own history at, at this school. She'd been uh-huh. a student there she'd already lived through six directors. She was like on her seventh director. And she'd had her own series of unbelievable challenges in the whole history with the institution. And so she simply told her story and her own challenges and her own stresses and her own questions. As she started to talk and then as her story unfolded, it was like somebody pulled the the plug out of the drain in a bathtub and this unbelievable static energy in the room just it just went. And the quality of conversation that ensued was beautiful and brilliant. And, you know, people just began to talk and the focus came off of Catherine and they shared their challenges and this and that. And when we broke for a break, I went up to her and she I mean, her body was physically shaking. (laughs) And I said, oh my God, that was amazing. And I remember she said, should I stay in the room? I said, absolutely. Are you kidding?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: And what she proceeded to do was she managed to calm down. And then what was also courageous was this was one of the first sessions. I'll be darned if she didn't back out. She kept showing up for all the rest of them. And she ended up being the main person that had to pull together this, the visioning into some kind of a plan. And, but the, that moment this is for me, this is what the pause is all about because leadership is a momentary thing. It happens in a moment. How you show up, you know?
0: I like that a lot. And what Catherine did, whether she intended this, she made a connection with yes. everyone. In a lot of large organizations, there's some animosity between mm-hmm. different levels and, and assumptions. And we tend as human beings to prescribe intent to other people, but are a little bit more forgiving for ourselves. Mm-hmm. When she shared her story, it took away some of that. It made a connection that wasn't there before. And when people tell stories like that, a lot of times the recipients say, man, I want to drop by her office sometime. And yeah. you know, they're more open because they made themselves vulnerable about themselves and who they are and presented a part of her that other people had not had the opportunity to see.
1: Exactly. I mean, all of what you said, and, and the beautiful thing with storytelling, when it comes from a real place, is it connects the head with the heart. Mm. It's pretty darn hard to be hard-hearted when somebody's telling a story where they're, as you said, vulnerable, they're being themselves in the most genuine way they know how. It's pretty hard to just kind of cross your arms and go, wow, are you a jerk? You know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you, yeah, because your yeah. heart tends to want to open. Yeah, definitely. To have enough of a presence. And this is a big part of what this, the, this stopping to is to return back to your deep sense of presence. Like, okay, I'm all right. People can like me, whatever. But I'm here. I'm showing up. I'm doing my best job. You know, so he can come from there instead of want to fire back and say, oh, yeah, well, let (laughs) let me me tell tell you about you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
0: I'm speculating that specific event had an effect where the faculty were talking about it. I bet it changed the atmosphere for the future sessions. I'm guessing that it made a real difference and allowed for progress and some people to find common ground.
1: I would say yes. And the trick is this was 30 of a much bigger faculty. That had just been the sole bunch of faculty. I think it could have had a longer impact. It did have an impact for sure. And The whole process had this kind of softening every step of the way. And every time people showed up differently and showed up with more generosity of spirit than antipathy, the process was able to go deeper and move more and more forward. And we created circles of engagement and then re-engagement and then re-engagement. None of these habits and perceptions change overnight. This is where the ability to provide a sense of of constancy and this is what i loved about Catherine. she kept showing up and she kept showing up in a very genuine and generous way continued to keep that same tone alive as best as she could when she was doing her engagements and that's you know that's what we're all trying to cultivate because it's it's what allows for actual collaboration without that atmosphere it's almost impossible to get anything truly done in a in a collaborative fashion
0: Part three, slow down. There are many ways that we can improve how we lead. Perry advises us on one particular way that we can improve our leadership. Here's Perry to explain.
1: For me and for many of the people I've coached and senior teams I've worked with, teaching people how to pause, how to stop, how to not get out in front of themselves, their team, the situation at hand is one of the habits and the practices that I think needs to be cultivated. I use the phrase learning how to pause. Using your breath is one of the most efficient ways to get to stop. So once you close your lips, you could say... (laughs) Mm. I say, take three breaths, three (sighs) deep breaths. And then let
0: whatever happened, happen.
1: Exactly. Because breath will bring you back to yourself, your body. It's a very powerful way to come back, as you said early on, to the present moment. Like, take a breath. And sometimes if it's high stakes and it's really intense, you might have to take more than three, you know, (laughs) four or five. Let yourself stop. And it's very interesting because it's a muscle that's weak in a lot of people. And that's why I use the example early on is it takes practice to get good at pausing. It seems so funny. It's like, well, we breathe all the time. Yeah, but we live in a culture that invites us to go too fast. To live too quickly, to listen superficially, to lose connection with ourselves because we're just moving too fast. Human beings weren't designed to move at lightning speed in terms of all of them. Like the heart tends to move more slowly than the mind. The mind's very quick, but the heart kind of is a little slower. That's why storytelling slows things down often. And I love the fact that you, your structure, ask people to tell stories. It's a very powerful structure. The practice is to learn to pause. And one of the ways that you can begin to build your pause muscle is to deliberately stop yourself and take three breaths. I do it when I get in my car, for instance. I turn the car on and I take three breaths before I look behind me and back out and start driving. Because I'm driving in a car, you know, transition, be present, look both ways. So practice pausing in what could seem lower stake situations so you get good at it so when the stakes get higher and the situation's really intense you can do it there too. That would be a practice I would offer to people.
0: Related to that is the whole concept of mindfulness which has become more and more talked about in leadership and associating how important it is to help others be mindful in their interactions. And well, I I won't go on, but um, from your perspective, what are your thoughts about mindfulness and, and how it relates to leadership?
1: Absolutely, completely intertwined. And that is part of what the three breaths practices brings you exactly back to. It is a practice for Mindfulness for coming present and becoming aware, much more aware, aware of self, aware of situation, aware of what's going on, actually. It's all about mindfulness practice. And breath is a very powerful and often taught aspect of mindfulness. And it's no surprise that mindfulness practices are springing up everywhere. Again, there's a ton of research about you know, meditation for CEOs now mm-hmm. and and because people are living in an intense time, it's an intense time in our history. And if you don't have practices that allow you to become quiet and calm again, yeah, you know, I think, I mean, good luck. I don't know how you survive, actually. I just don't.
0: It seems to also open the door for reflection, which is something that I've had a number of guests talk about is that we don't do enough reflection. And it seems that mindfulness might be a way of helping put yourself in the right pardon the the wording mindset, <laughs>
1: yes. you know,
0: to so you can be reflective and think about the experiences that you just had. And so much insight could come from that.
1: I love that link. This is where you, what you and I were talking about at the beginning, where the capacity to pause and to come back to center, you could say, indeed opens the gate to ask the question, like, how are we doing? Or let's just take a moment here and reflect, like, how's this going? On track, not on track, who hasn't spoken? So it is exactly a doorway to get out of everybody just giving their voice and flip it to reflection and inquiry and, you know, what's happening here? How are we doing? Beautiful. Love the link. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thanks to Perry Chickering. If you'd like to learn more about Perry, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unliberleadership.com, click the message icon, and leave a voicemail message for up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who donate to the show. Your contributions makes a difference because this is an all-volunteer service. Thank you for listening. This is Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on.